Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. Amen. Well, we're in the book of Mark, and we've talked about Mark being like the action-adventure yeah, story love it. Love it. <laughs> of the Gospels because Mark jumps right into it, pow, and gets it going. So what do we see here in chapter 4, Jack? Well, uh, Jesus introduces parables. Yeah. Uh, he's going to teach mainly by parables. There's a purpose, reason for that. And uh, it's going to be uh, profound, and uh, he's going, and simple. Yeah. At the same time, and he's going to uh, astound the people, and some of the people he's going to confound. Right. So it's really, really very interesting the way he presented the kingdom of God through teaching and parables. Why don't you tell them what a parable is in the background? Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, Well, a parable, you know, when I was a little kid, you know, the the teacher would say something like, it's a story with a promise or, you know, earthly, earthly, heavenly heavenly story with an earthly earthly message. That's what I heard. Um, But parables are stories. Um, And when you're talking about Jesus using them to teach and to confound, Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like, in a sense, um, a riddle. It is not, they're not riddles, but to give the backstory, um, if you look at Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah chapter six starts with Isaiah in the presence of God. And you know what? Let me just, let's just describe that because it's a beautiful little passage. Um, apologize for not having this out already, but I just want to read it because I think it's so amazing. Um, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings with two. He covered his face with two. He covered his feet and with two. He flew and one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. So that's, that's quite a scene. That's the scene. That's quite a scene, yeah. Yeah, that's the scene. And here's Isaiah, and he's thinking, you got to remember, you know, it's like Moses at the burning bush when he looked down because he didn't want to see God. Why? Because they had the belief that if you saw God, you're going to die. And when you're in the presence of God, right. you sense your... And, and so Isaiah's next words are, Woe to me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm a man of unclean lips. Yeah, it's like yeah. saying, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> and so what happens is this angel uses a pair of tongs and grabs a coal from the fire. Okay. Right. Now, it also says that then the angel has the coal in his hand. So I'm like, that's some t- either some tough hands or that coal cools off really quick. But he touches it to Isaiah's lips. Why? Because Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. Um, and he's, he's ruined because he's seen God. Now, the next passage, God says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And God says... He, he, you know, you volunteer for something and it's like you're excited. You know, here I am in the presence of God. He's wanting somebody to talk for him. And, and you're excited. And it's like, oh, I get to go on a mission for God. What's the mission going to be? And God says, I want you to go talk to these stubborn people who don't want to hear what you have to say. He says, uh, keep on hearing. 
but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their eyes heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And then Isaiah's like, how long, O Lord? And he said, until, until the cities lie in waste without inhabitant and the houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain, it'll be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. And then he says, the holy seed is the stump. Hmm. And that reminds me of the stump and the root of Jesse, which is Jesus coming in. And so here's Jesus the word of the Lord, that little sprig of life coming out of the root of Jesse in this land of stubborn people that don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so that's where he is telling these parables. Um, and I bring it up because here in verse um, 12, when he's talking about the purpose of the parables, um, we'll back up to uh, verse 11. Um, And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that, quoting from Isaiah, they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. So that's some heavy stuff. Some heavy stuff. And I think part of it comes out as we get into the, the parables. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Um, it's a, a different teaching uh, than they'd heard uh, ever before. And uh, in Mark earlier, it says, as we've talked about, uh, that great crowds were now multitudes were cr- crowding around him because he was healing everywhere right. he went. Uh, he's already uh, chosen most of his disciples and Mark, he's listed right. out there. And now he begins this teaching in parables. And, uh, but he explains exactly what he's doing and what they're going to be about. And he gives us the key uh, to understanding all of the parables if we'll just apply the key. But the parables were basically there because Jesus was a master teacher and he was going to give us some universal principles about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of God was kind of like a seed that uh, started small and, and grew uh, immensely and unnaturally, uh, you'd have to say, right? Right. And uh, it's amazing how um, he includes the disciples in these things and how long it took them to understand exactly who he was, what the kingdom was, what his goal was, what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he was trying to do was he was trying to bring it down to a, a level that we all can understand it. I think he also is bringing it down to a level that they can look back Mm. and understand because, you know, Paul talks about the mystery of Christ, the mystery of, of God now revealed through Christ. And so a lot of these things, you know, they're hearing the stories and they're kind of understanding, but not really Mm -hmm. as we see over and over again in the gospel until after the resurrection, the ascension, and the giving of the Holy Spirit. Right. 
Right. And that was the big difference. Yeah. There. The Holy Spirit, to me, is the real eye-opener. Because now those disciples look back, ah, it all makes sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, well, you want to hit on these parables? Yeah. If you look at the first one, it's the parable of the sower, and it has some universal principles in it. it, it the universal principle is, depending on the soil, the the condition of the soil is going to depend on the growth of the seed. The seed is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, he says that a sower goes out uh, to sow some seed, and some of that seed fell on different kinds of soil. Uh, some of it was on the road, and because it was on the road and it wasn't uh, conducive to the seed sinking into the soil, having nutrients there, the birds came along and picked the seed off the path, and they didn't grow at all. Uh, some fell on the stony soil. The stony soil was um, um, uh, kind of like tribulation. Mm -hmm. That's I was trying to think of. Sure. Uh, tribulation that was going to come. And when you have tribulation and heartache, these kind of things, if you don't have that rooted in deep, uh, then the soil didn't, the, the seed didn't grow, didn't have nourishment and died. Uh, then he talks about the thorny soil being like the struggles of this life mm -hmm. or the riches of this life, materialism, these kind of things that you build your life on that. And then when any kind of difficulty or major struggle comes into your life, then you have it rooted in once again because of those concerns, those things, and the seed doesn't, doesn't spring to life. And then there's the fertile soil. And when those seeds that fell in the fertile soil, it was like um, astounding growth. It was like supernatural growth because it produces, you know, a hundredfold, you know, right. something you wouldn't even expect. So uh, that, that's kind of the story of it. And it gives us these, this purpose uh, of these parables is to begin to teach these concepts of the kingdom of God and that he's going to be sharing this message of salvation through grace through his death, through his him being the Messiah that was going to be the sacrifice for sin. And uh, as that message uh, finally hit when it happened, um, then you see the growth of the kingdom through the book of Acts and then through the letters to the churches and back through Revelation. And here we are today. We're a part of it. Right. So I, I see a lot of things in this and I feel a real personal conviction in this also, Jack, I got to tell you, because when he's talking about the different kinds of soil, you know, I, I, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be that fertile soil, sure. you know, I, um, I, that's what I want. But as I'm reading it, um, where is it? The, the second kind of soil? Oh, um, it's, it's, it's down further. It's down when he's explaining it. Uh, it's down at 16. Yeah. That's where I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, these are the ones uh, sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises, they immediately fall away. The others sown among thorns, this is the part that, that feels convicting It to is me. convicting, yes. Um, they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Um, I feel like 
this is where the American church is in large part. I would agree. Because I feel like myself, a lot of us uh, collectively, well, the cares of the world sums it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of that. That's for you know, sure. I, I mean, my Facebook story recently, I shared the picture of the gas pump. You know, that's, <laughs> a, care, that's a care of the world. Yeah, I set a personal record at the gas pump. I put more <laughs> cash into my gas tank than I ever have. And, you know, unfortunately, that's a reality. That's like a thorn, mm-hmm. you know. I don't want that to keep the word from producing fruit in my life. Okay. And so I think sometimes this is a hard truth, but, you know, if God is the sower in this sense, sometimes what he needs to do is he needs to come in and work that soil. Or for us, if we're the ones planting the seed, mm-hmm. maybe we need to work that soil. Yeah, some other well, the Bible says that uh, the fields are white unto harvest. Right. And the workers are few. Right. Who will who will answer the call and go right. out into the field? And uh, my opinion of of the church, I, I don't mean to be a negative prophet here or anything like that, but it seems like we're all around the table eating the food, right. and we need to push away from the table, and we need to go out and do some work. And the work is um, sh- sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's three things about this, and people may not like this, but if you look at the principle of the parable of the sower, you're going to see, first of all, that sowing is universal. Mm-hmm. You know, you sow seeds, so uh, it, it goes everywhere. Uh, you can sow a seed, have a conversation with someone that you may not know has thorny soil, but, uh, you know, they're really materialistic and they, they haven't really made a true confession of Christ as their Lord and Savior at all. They're trusting in the things of this world, but you still can sow the seed there, even though it doesn't root in and and grow. But then uh, um, the growth is selective. It's selective. God, as you said, is the one who controls the growth Mm -hmm. of the seed. And he says that we need to be serious about seeking him. Folks, we need to be serious about seeking Christ as our Lord and Savior. And uh, certainly that doesn't mean that we're perfect and that we don't have, um, you know, materialistic things and and sinful things that come in our lives. I I will confess to all of you uh, that this week I was praying and and I started praying out loud, John. Mm -hmm. Maybe people don't know this hip surgery has uh, put me stuck in my house Uh, and it's me and my dog Maggie. And uh, she hates when I sing. She howls, so I can't sing. So I was praying, and I was praying silently, and I, I realized my prayers were like just kind of thought groups, you know. And so I, one day I was sitting there, and I had, honestly, I haven't done this very often or very much, but now I'm saying my prayers out loud. And I was walking through my house, I was just praying out loud, which made me think about what I was praying. It made me organize that prayer. And suddenly I'm kind of struggling to hold back tears because I'm sitting here talking to God and I realized his presence was there. And I said, boy, this has been here, but I just haven't sought him mm-hmm. in that way. And uh, so I do. I want to seek him in that way. I want to seek him and pray to him and uh, listen to him. And and uh, that that's what that's all about, uh, that we 
uh, allow our, our soil of our heart or the condition of our heart to be uh, good soil, uh, uh, fertile soil. And I think we do that by seeking the Lord and by surrendering to Him. I, and I think another conviction there is we do that for others as well. When we help them. Yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, because part of our task is is sowing seed, okay? And if, if I'm the sower and all I'm doing is throwing seed where it's not going to take root. Uh, who am I helping? I'm not, I, I need to get that soil ready um, or wait until that soil is ready or, you know. Um, and I think the one thing to remember is that as much as we'd like everybody that's ever been born to be in heaven and to be saved, I don't think that's going to be the case. According to my study of scripture, there are those that are going to be the sheep and there's going to be the goats and there's going to be a white throne judgment and there's going to be a division and there are children of God and there are children of the evil one. And, and that's the case. And sometimes um, people don't want the seed. Sure. People, people don't want the light of Christ. People ask the question often of, you know, why does God allow evil in the world? And I, I, not to dive into that question too much, but there's um, a story I heard about this. This guy that wishes for world peace, you know, he wishes for world peace. Well, he wakes up the next morning and there's no one. <laughs> And one of the interesting things is when we're talking about evil in the world, um, we look outside of ourselves and we think of this per terrible person doing some terrible thing. Okay. Um, but what about myself? You know, what about, yeah. what about the evil that's sure. in my heart? I, I can't say that every thought that I have is a, a pure, you know, thought. You know, um, especially not sometimes when I'm behind the wheel um, or when I'm, you know, watching the, uh, the news or hearing a story about some person who did some awful thing. Um, but the reality of it is um, there's there's a root of evil that can take it hold in all of us. And it's like you said, we've got to be receptive to the truth of God and let him take root. You know, I was doing some study this week, interestingly enough, just kind of reading, reading. And, you know, when you do that, sometimes you wind up in Genesis. Have you ever found that? You know, um, oh, I'm just going to read the Bible and lo and behold, you're reading through Genesis. And so I was back in Genesis and uh, I was reading the story of Noah and the, and the destruction of all the people in the world. And I thought to myself, you know, the problem here was that there was nobody worth saving. No one was to the place where they were faithful to God, had any faith in God to be worth saving. And then I thought, that's the same in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like the, the uh, discussion between Abraham and the pre-incarnate Christ, I believe, was if I can find a hundred faithful people or a hundred people worth saving, <laughs> would, you, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? Sure. Well, how about 50? And the, and the discussion goes right. down to, what, 10, 10, I think? And he couldn't find 10 who were worth. 
in other words, who were faithful right. to God. And so the destruction was there. And I think that that's a challenge for us, not not to be perfect or be works-oriented, right. but through our faith in Christ, which is so major in our relationship with God, and uh, through being like Him, through the power of the Spirit, uh, being faithful to, to be obedient uh, to the teachings of Christ. And as we do that, um, we realize our sin and we confess that sin, like even me this week. I'm still asking God to sure. uh, clean me up, fix me up, help me out, make me more like you. Please, God. And I do think when we're talking about you know the growth and, and the fruit that he's talking about here, um, I, I don't think, I, mean, I don't want people to misunderstand and think that that means uh, that you, you, you become a good person or that you're like always doing good things, you know, in that good, good kind of sense. No, it's more you deepen your relationship right. with Christ. Anything the good that comes out of me, it's not because Glory of to me. God. Right, God, yeah. right. I have to give glory to God, not like an athlete that, 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 and I'm not picking on athletes, okay? I think when they win a big ball game and they say glory to God, I think that's great, okay? But it's like anything that I do, you know, if I make it through the ball game and I've lost, glory to God, you know? It's everything that we do. We have to give him the, the praise um, because he's the, the reason for the growth, and I think it always comes down to this in our discussion is uh, this fearful thought of people that think that, you know, there's some kind of a righteousness within ourselves. You know, our faithfulness, our um, obedience, our deeds, you know, does something, you know, special. And it, it is special. Don't get me wrong. But it's it's generated by the spirit within us and by Christ being glorified in us. I was talking with Mike today, our technician here, our our man, and uh, I was talking to him about a friend of mine uh, that I've tried to talk to a couple of times, and I'm trying to figure out the right way to talk to him because he sincerely tells me that he does not believe that he can be saved. Wow. That he has uh, sinned too much, or he just knows his heart. He knows, you know. And I've said to him before, um, name, you're actually worse than you think you are. <laughs> God knows your heart. He made you and, he, and you're probably worse than you think you are. But God loves you. And I'm, I try to convince him with anything I can possibly say to right. convince him. So there are those two degrees there where I think there are some people that think that their salvation comes by their own means. And there are those that don't believe salvation can come at all because of how mean they are. Um, and I don't think either one is exactly I, I biblical. Com I compare some of what you're saying to, to two things. You know, when we went met with Justin, um, if you didn't listen to that episode, you need to. Justin White. Justin yes. White. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Justin thought that he couldn't get out of his addiction until he hit rock bottom. Now, rock bottom is different for different people. Right. Um, and, you know, it wasn't because there was anything special in him that happened, whatever. No, he just had to get to a place where he realized that he had to make that change. Mm -hmm. I have a patient, I, th I think about this fella. Um, he needed to quit smoking badly because he had 
horrible lung disease and he had horrible genetics that made that lung disease worse, okay? But he told me, I don't, I don't think I can ever quit. I mean, I, I know that I need to quit. Um, I mean, I, inside there's part of me that wants to quit. I don't think I can ever quit. Um, he missed an appointment one day and I thought, man, if, of all the people that need to come in and be seen, this guy really needs to be seen. Well, one of our staff had sort of cheated and parked out front, not supposed to do that. But thank God she did. She sneaks out to her car to go to lunch. He's laying there on the ground next to his car. He's, he's a deeper blue than my blue jeans. My goodness. He quit smoking after that. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> the, the point being, you've got to realize that, no, you can't save yourself. You get to a point where you need saving. The fear of God is the beginning yeah. of wisdom. Yeah. And, um, and there is no sin so great. There is no amount of sin so great that God can't forgive you. Think about the most noteworthy people in the Bible besides Jesus. I, I think about Moses. David. I think about David. I think about Paul, the apostle. What did those three guys have in common? Murder. Murder. They are all three murderers. And when we're talking about bad things people can do, I mean, that's one of the top of the list. Sure. You know, might not be the top, but it's, it's up there. Okay. I, I think that all three of those guys probably were at a place at some point where they thought, I'm not worth saving. What can be done for me? John, you know, for me, one of the things that happens with this hip surgery and the recouping afterwards is uh, I get a little anxiety. And I've never had anxiety before, but I think the anxiety comes from being stationary and laying in one position. And uh, I get to lay in there and then I start thinking, and I'm a man of action, I always want to do something. And... Uh, so that anxiety, though, then leads me to God. Yeah. Uh, anything, you know, that... <laughs> Woe is me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like Isaiah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same identical thing. And the good thing is, there's, that's where the help and the hope comes right. from. So, Amen. that's what the parables are all about. So, exactly. Well, we touched on one parable. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, wow, uh, you guys are in trouble. I'm sorry. Uh, you we know, we bloviated. We, we, we did it. We did it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I hope that, that that speaks to your heart because to me, part of what we want to do with our podcast is we want to dive into the Word. That's where Jesus comes alive for us. And we want that Word to speak to you. Um, so, well, I guess we will touch on the parables again next yes, time. Yes, sir. So, thanks for joining us. We love you guys. Um, we will see you next time.